Hello and welcome to the very first, the inaugural, the very first episode of ECF's Composite Cast Monthly. This is a new monthly podcast and is sponsored and brought to you by ECF Composites Limited, the UK's leading supplier of composite materials such, well you can tell them on. Yeah, composite materials such as resins for example, polyurethanes, epoxies, polyester, a range of polyester and vinyl ester fillers, bonding agents, GRP, roofing materials, craft supplies and fibreglass matting, fibreglass cloths, carbon fibre fabrics, Kevlar fabrics and much much more. So check out our website at ecfcomposites.co.uk. Fantastic. So let's get started with the Composites Cast Monthly Podcast. Let's have the theme tune. Again, welcome to Composite Cast. Uh, are we going to call it Composite Cast Monthly or just Composite uh, Cast? I'm not sure what to call it, to be honest. I think we'll just roll with this for now and maybe once we start engaging with our listeners, they might yeah. come up with an idea. That's probably a good idea, actually, if our listeners come up with a good idea for a name for our podcasts. And Oh, by the way, this is something to mention at the top of the thing. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, we've got, there's a new email, compositescast at gmail.com. Well, that's with an S, so Composites cast at should have shouldn't have done that but that's what it is composites <laughs> cast at gmail.com so let's get started we've got a few ideas for sections to include in the podcast yeah and, that's right yeah and the first one is going to be a q and a so uh, we invite you to email if you have a question about anything to do oh, we didn't introduce ourselves did we i should do no that. no who's going first you i'll go mean? first uh, my name's nick i'll look after the website and photography videos things like podcasts and you are and um, my name is mon general manager technical advisor and also project researcher for ecf composites which leads us on to say that in our regular Q&A section, if anyone has a question, email it in. We've got the very man here in Martin who should be able to answer your yeah, question. Yeah, should be. And if I can't, I'll find, certainly find out. So we'll, we'll crack on then, shall we, with the Q&A segment. Could do with a snappy title for that, couldn't we? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, the Q&A segment, and uh, we have a question here, Martin. Uh, so obviously it's the first podcast, so this is we get a lot of questions sent in to the website and email and stuff, so this is one of those, isn't it? Um, this is a question from Jonathan, and he said, Hi, I'm planning on making a shower tray for a camper van. I've done some fiberglass projects, flat roof, motorcycle panniers, slab moulds, plus a few others in the past, but need a brush up on techniques, materials, etc. Over to you, Martin. Yeah, so um, shower trays, we get a lot of those uh, requests, usually to fix shower trays. Um, some of our listeners might already know that... Um, a lot of stuff that you buy now it's made quite cheaply even if it's made out of fiberglass it's usually one layer and this is goes for baths and shower trays right. and a lot of them are made out of acrylics as well which is which are terrible for cracking so i get, I get a lot of calls on on fixing those and what have you um but i have had a few on actually making shower trays from scratch and instances where that might happen is if somebody's got a boat or a camper van and they're struggling for space and they've got a certain shape, it's quite unique to the, their project and they might want to make their own shower tray. So to do that, first of all, you're going to need what's known as a plug or former, depending on uh, whether you're from the US or UK, there's different terminologies for that. 
Um, so this is a model or a mock-up of what you want the shape to be, and it's usually out with timber. Um, if you if you've got the budget for it and uh, the equipment, you might want to CNC it. Uh, but usually it's it's a mixture of timber and body filler, um, which most people have at hand. Once you've got the plug, you then need to seal it with something. So usually a shellac or a sand and sealer uh, varnish. Um, so any kind of kind of hardware and polyurethane varnish. Once you've sealed it, you then put a product called Durabuild on, which is a resin-based surface primer. Don't use any of the car spray primers. They're no good. They tend to kind of melt under the... Uh, whole process of, uh, of fiberglassing and the release agents and what have you. So, um, once the durable is cured, you then it's then a process of smoothing that down, bring it to a shine if you want to shine on it, and then you do your um, release agents. I normally find several coats of PVA release agents, um, more coats if you're going to spray it on, that will give you the best finish, but a lot of people haven't got spray equipment, so usually using what's known as a a jenny brush or a foam brush um, to you and me you use that to put the pva release agent on um, usually you would use a gloss pva release agent uh, several coats of that let the first coat dry and then when you put the subsequent coats on put them on quite quick you don't want to dissolve that first coat and then once all three coats are on just a light coat of mold release wax. You don't always need mold release wax, but I find that if you put the mold release wax on, it's just an extra kind of um, help to the to the release right. um, without actually grabbing the plug. Then after that, there's your gel coat, um, usually a tooling gel, um, or you can use a standard gel if you're just doing a one-off mold. There's no need to go to the lengths of using tooling products unless you're going into production of these things. Um, so in Jonathan's case, it's a one-off, so just a normal gel coat let that cure off then your first layer of say a 300 gram mat just a nice lightweight mat applied with a polyester resin if you've got awkward corners you can use six mil chop strands uh, we have those on our website um, let that layer cure and it's always a good idea to let your first layer cure then it's not going to get disturbed by the rest of the layers that you put on there for a normal production mold you would usually go uh, five or six layers of matte with a, with a tooling resin um, but for a one-off mold you'll probably get away with four more layers of 450 gram chop strand matte once that's cured if you use a general purpose resin leave it on there for a good week or so when resin cures it'll still go through what's known as a post cure and that's where the resin is getting harder and harder over time if you pull general purpose resin off too early it'll start to shrink as it's curing so it's a good idea to leave it on there for a good week with tooling resin, however, you can make a production mold within a couple of days. You can usually lay it up in day one and then take it off on day two, right. and that's your mold already. So is that the, the benefit of tooling gel coat over a normal yes. gel coat? Is it just cures Yes, quicker? and you get lower shrinkage as well. So right. you would use tooling resin. We've got, uh, what's the number again? It's RTR... 4010. 4010, that's the one. Um, and that's a the low shrinkage tool and resin and it's part of a system um, but it, it just means you can make a production mold a lot quicker and it's a lot stronger than normal um, resins but for a one-off shower tray right you don't need to go to all that is it much expense. more expensive than just a normal not really right not really to be honest no no um, once you've got your mold you then need to wax it 
We usually say use a Carnauba wax, like a TR-104 high temp or Meguiar's. Give it about 10 waxes, 40 minutes between each buff. So give it a wax, buff that off, leave it 40 minutes, then another wax. It's probably overkill. There'll be a lot of people saying, no, I don't put that many on, but it's always best to be um, safe than sorry, especially when you've spent the money on making a mould. Mm. Um, so, so going a bit overboard certainly doesn't uh, hurt the process. And then you're ready to apply whatever colour gel coat you want your shower tray to be, let that cure off, lay it up with a couple of layers of mat. Uh, once that's cured, you can bond on some timbers um, just to strengthen it, um, usually just a, a flat sheet of um, chipboard, and then fiberglass on the back of that, and that should give you a decent enough shower tray. Um, hmm. Pop that off, and that's your finished article just ready for trimming. There so that's how you would make um, your shower tray. Oh, fantastic. But just before we move on, just go back to what you were saying about, if you don't mind, uh, yeah. what we were saying about um, repairing shower trays. Mm-hmm. Um, first question is, is it worth repairing a fiberglass shower tray? And number two, briefly, what would be the process in doing that? Uh, if you're going to repair a shower tray, I would just do it as a temporary thing. Right. Anything you put on there is going to look ugly. Okay. Um, so you're probably going to want to change it anyway. With acrylic trays... It's a bit temperamental when you repair those. Polyesters just tend to attack the acrylic. So it's no good using a polyester. I would use an epoxy if you're going to use something. Right. Maybe something like West System G-Flex. But it doesn't come in any kind of colours. So it is going to look unsightly, but it will seal your shower tray. Um, If it's on a boat or a camper van and you're not too bothered about the appearance, you could just fibreglass the whole thing. So it becomes a a tray within a tray. Right, I get you. Surface tissue and then... But when you're doing something not out of a mould, it can look a bit ugly. So, All right, brilliant. Thanks very much. And uh, if you have any questions about composites, uh, about anything to do with composites, send us an email, compositescast at gmail.com. Okay, we'll move on to the next section, shall we? Yeah, it was definitely a long question that start off. So. It was a quite a long one. And the next section is called Cool Composites. I usually stumble upon odd stories and I just uh, read through anything to do with fiberglass. When I'm doing any research, I might come across something interesting. Um, so I thought I'd add any of those stories I find in this section. Okay, so um, you're looking at basically um, developments in the industry. Yeah. Uh, so what have you got for us today then in Cool Composites? So today I've got, well, researchers at the Leibniz, I hope I've pronounce that uh, correctly Leibniz <laughs> Leibniz anyway <laughs> it's the Institute for New Materials and they'll okay. be presenting a new composite material that prevents metal corrosion even in extreme conditions huh. the painted composite product can be applied by spring in a cues at 150 to 200 degrees so you'll need a good oven <laughs> um, it is suitable for steels metal alloys aluminium magnesium and copper and can be used to coat any shape of plates, pipes, gear wheels, tools, or machine parts. Um, its specially formulated mixture contains a solvent, a binder, and a <laughs> nanoscale platelet-like particles. <laughs> it does not contain chromium-6 or other heavy materials. I have no idea what chromium-6 no, is. So what is it then? Is it like a... <laughs> It's a plastic that for coating things. Yeah, it's, it's kind right? of it's kind of a coating. So if you, for example, I mean, this would probably be really um, useful in automotive. 
Um, so if you think right. the, bo- the bottom of your car, it's uh-huh. uh, you know that protecting um, that from all the corrosion and rust. Um, um, I know there's coatings out there, but um, this is supposed to be some new, amazing, uh, amazing thing. Yeah. So it's an environmentally friendly process, and it can be used um, wherever metals are exposed to severe weather conditions. Right. Um, so and aggressive gases and media containing salt. So yeah, going back to what we were saying about the um, automotive industry, uh-huh. um, the, the, you get a lot of salt water in the bottom of your car. You right. wouldn't think, about, you know, when the grit roads, yeah, there's a lot yeah, of salt of there. Uh, you've got stone chippings uh, coming up and that. So, uh, so I think this will be good for the marine industry as well when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, so after thermal curing, the composite adheres to metal substrates and it's abrasion stable and impact resistant. As a result, it can withstand high mechanical stress. The coating passes the fallen ball test. So uh, the, the Institute will actually be at the Tech Connect World Trade Fair on the 15th and 16th of June. That's this year, 2024. So if you listen to this podcast in 2025, I'm sorry, but you've already missed it, guys. Right. Uh, where is this uh, Tech Connect Fair then? Where's that? Well, it's in Washington. Well, I can go to that because I live in Washington. Uh, no, Nick. Sorry. It's uh, it's not Washington, Tyne and Weir. It's Washington, D.C., USA. <laughs> right. I might not bother then. <laughs> So, yeah, our story's no no borders, I'm afraid, Nick. But uh, hopefully uh, for the next episode, I'll try and find something that's been developed in the UK. Great. Uh, obviously, we wanted to get this podcast up and running. So, um, I know, here's an interesting thing. I know there's, I, I often watch the orders come in, and if there's anyone interested, I'll go and have a quick look at their website or whatever. And uh, there's, uh, I don't want to give too much away because I'm not sure if they'd like to be advertised, but I noticed there was a company making rockets to deliver satellites you know yeah, to yeah, low earth orbit yeah, and so yeah. we have amazingly fascinating customers don't yeah, we? we make we do, all yeah, we sorts do. of stuff yeah, one thing it's... i've noticed loads of recently is like uh, well last couple of years loads of prop houses around film industry and stuff yeah yeah so like, there's what do you what's all the film places down in london and all oh, that there, there, there was one actually there's a series out called um oh is it called is it called the deep Right. Okay, I'm not sure. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I've, I forget what the series is called. Um, and it's the storylines. Um, it, it's round a murder that happens in this town, and uh, uh, there's a, a rookie officer trying to investigate it. But the, the whole town gets flooded. Right. And I think some of it was filmed in Manchester. Uh-huh. But there is a, um, a YouTube video where they show the set. Oh, okay. And, and when I was watching it, I was thinking, how on earth did they manage to flood a whole street <laughs> the way they did? But it's it's actually, it's um, they're just it's just fiberglass houses. Ah, uh, but it looks so real. Oh, my goodness. I remember um, a few years back, do you remember that movie Interstellar? That was a big Hollywood movie. Do you remember that one? I vaguely. vaguely I can't remember exactly. I can't it. remember what the story was, but I remember watching that. And in this spaceship, there was all these white container things, and they were the life raft containers that our company made. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, so, so before um, ECF Composites was formed, um, we were known as a company called High Spec Plastics, and we used to u- make life raft containers. And uh, yeah, I think that rings a bell. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I, I recognise yeah. them on the movie. Yeah. What are they doing in space? Right, anyway. (laughs) What are we up to now? Okay, it's time for a word from our sponsor. For composite supplies, come to the UK's favourite supplier. 
With thousands of products in stock for fast delivery and free technical help, find us at ecfiberglass.co.uk or just search for East Coast Fiberglass. Okay, so that was a quick word from our sponsor and now it's time for the next part of the podcast and it's over to Martin for some Composites news. Thank you, Nick. In today's Composite News, we'll be reporting on how the events in the Red Sea are affecting the composite industry. So, you may all remember, in fact, I don't think anyone's likely to forget anytime soon, but in March 2020, we saw closures and restrictions put in place due to COVID-19. We also left the European Union, causing all sorts of confusion and uncertainty. Also, in the following year, 2021, we saw the Suez Canal blocked for six days by the Ever Given, a container ship that had run aground in the canal, causing long delays to deliveries and products and also raw materials. Due to the extreme winter storms in Texas, which caused a huge power crisis, we experienced delays of fillers and adhesives being shipped from one of our major manufacturing facilities there. And then, as we thought everything was getting back to normal, Russia decided to invade Ukraine. And as sanctions were imposed on Russia, companies then had to start to try and scramble around and resource a lot of their raw materials, mostly at a higher cost. So we can see clearly how much these kind of world events, no matter how far away from us they are, can affect supply mm-hmm. and pricing here in the UK. And of course, today we're still experiencing potential issues with supply here in the UK, especially if it is coming from other parts of Europe. Uh, we've got the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. It's still going on. It's yeah. not like it's going to end anytime soon. And now recent events unfolding in the Red Sea, the attacks by the Yemen... Um, Houthi fighters um, on commercial ships. Um, If the situation worsens, then delays brought on by these events could cause a spike in prices, especially if the ships have to avoid uh, the shortcut between uh, Europe and Asia. Um, Since the recent airstrikes as well, um, uh, the US and the UK um, attacking the Houthi fighters, um, vessels are turning away from the Red Sea. Uh, since things have started to escalate. In the short term, there's a few points most industries will be following closely, including what the Iran-backed militant group meant when it warned all US and UK interests now are legitimate targets, which could mean more ships being targeted, uh, not just the UK and US ships, but any ship they see Mm. carrying goods bound for the US or UK. So far, it seems that most vessels, but not all, are heeding the advice to avoid the key waterway, uh, meaning they can't now use the Suez Canal. Longer journeys, obviously, they'll incur higher transport costs, uh, and around 12% of the total global shipping traffic goes through the Suez Canal, which is the shortest route between Europe and Asia. Uh, Just recently, um, we ourselves at ECF Composites we had to quickly arrange an early dispatch of some of our materials we were acquiring from uh, Germany. Uh, This is to hopefully beat this possible inflation in shipping costs and also to ensure that we have the bulk of our stock um, to see us through if things did escalate further. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, How long do you think it takes for um, something, you know, a political thing like that to affect the price to the end user? Because when you... if you're thinking about it, obviously the oil's coming out the ground somewhere, yeah. and then it's being shipped somewhere else. Then it's go- going into a refinery. Yeah. From there, it's going to go to 
the producers of resins and stuff, oh, course, and from yeah. them to us. So yeah, w- w- how long is the knock-on effect, do you reckon? It, it could take weeks or months. I mean, it's, it's an unknown, um, to be honest. I mean, some companies... Um, they they could predict a spike and they could put the prices uh-huh. up straight away. Right. Okay. Um, rest assured, we won't do that. No, no, we don't. If, if, if you know, we'll try and keep our, you know, uh, keep on the ball with these things and hopefully uh, keep the prices down, get stock in quickly. Um, you know, as soon as we see anything that looks like it's going to cause a problem, we, mm. we've learned by experience uh, from you know, like I say, from twenty twenty. We've learned how it can affect us uh, massively. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, any kind of conflicts around that area, anything going on around the Red Sea or in Europe, um, we have to think how is it going to affect us. And we were really lucky in twenty twenty for a different reason. Yeah, if you remember, right. yeah. because uh, I think well, what we found in twenty twenty when the um, pandemic hit and all the lockdowns and everything was all of a sudden lots of new customers coming to us, weren't they, and saying, That's right. nobody's got anything. Yeah. And we we, yeah. we had plenty yeah. because, you know, our management always believed in keeping enough excess stock mm-hmm. in case anything ever happened instead of running to the bone yeah. and on a next-day basis sort of thing, which it caught a lot of people out, I think, back then, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's right. I mean, we were lucky as well, but we had... Um, we stocked a lot of roofing products. Yeah. Uh, so because we supplied to the the building trade and mm-hmm. because we uh, sold fiberglass for industries for example making um, decamin- decontamination units right yeah 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 um, it kept us going because uh, we were we fell in that category that could That's stay right, open yeah. uh-huh. so we put our restrictions in place we um, also did like a, a night shift so we could, <laughs> we could split the staff and uh, keep them apart um, and we also saw that the um, craft industry a lot of people working from home a lot of people doing hobbies oh, yeah, and things like yeah, that yeah. so we were selling a lot of uh, craft materials, and that, that opened up a whole new section for us. Um, so although a lot of our um, products on our website, they look quite industrial, mm-hmm. um, you know, the common guy in the shed uses a lot of our materials. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of hobbyists in it. We also have a lot of crafters as well who buy off us. Uh-huh. Um, so, so check out our craft section. It's uh, it's growing all the time. It was mad, wasn't it, in that pandemic? Uh, com- I mean, I was working from home when that happened. Uh which had its good points and bad points. It was lovely to not have to get up and out in the morning, <laughs> yeah. but not so nice to have to try and educate your child at the same time as doing yeah. your work. Uh, I think you were splitting your time as well, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. I did I did save a lot of money, actually. Well, I'm saying save. I was doing a lot more gardening and <laughs> fixing all the things that needed fixing. So, uh, yeah, I, I saved on not spending it in the in the my money in the pub, but I was uh, oh, yeah, I'm certainly doing... DIY and home improvements. Oh, I missed the pub. <laughs> I missed the pub, Mark. Yeah. All right, so um, that's uh, Composites News, correct? And now yeah, that's right. moving along, hopefully, to something a bit more lighter with a section called Curious Composites, which is uh, anything composite-related which is weird, funny, or unusual. What have you got for us today, Martin? Sure. Um, you probably remember a, a few wa- a few weeks ago, me and you were, were working on a guide for the website, and so uh-huh. was Gary and, and Lee. There was about four were involved. And we are doing a guide on the pros and cons of um, fiberglass, carbon, Kevlar cloths. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so whilst I was typing up a part about the Kevlar strength versus steel wire, uh-huh. uh, there was a memory popped in my head. 
and I wasn't sure if um, if I was remembering it correctly or if it was just some kind of um, online hoax I right. kind of bought into at the time. But okay. so I, I looked it up, and it, and it was a, a true thing. It was it was an actual documentary I watched. A documentary. Yeah. Right. What was that about then? Um, so this documentary it was uh, it was about the spider goats of Utah. <laughs> spider goats. Spider goats. What on earth? What's a spider goat? So, it's it's not a goat with eight legs or one that shoots webs out of its hoofs or anything. Um, spider goat, spider, spider goat. goat does whatever a spider goat does. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to read this out without laughing, actually, because it does sound ridiculous. Okay. Um, so, it must have been around 10 years ago, so I, I was um, watching a BBC Two series uh, called Horizon. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if it's... Is it still on the telly now, Horizon? I, thought, I don't know, I but it, it pops brilliant. Up, yeah. Uh, but there was one particular episode called Playing God. Right. And uh, they discussed uh, synthetic biology. Right. And during the episode, the presenter, which at the time was Adam Rutherford, who meets a goat called Freckles. Right. <laughs> Freckles, however, is a long way from being a normal goat. Right. She is all goat, yeah. but has something extra in every one of her cells. <laughs> right. Freckles is also part spider. Why? <laughs> we'll we'll get that later. Okay, <laughs> yeah, but um, no, seriously, I had to double check uh, my facts on this one. Um, I wasn't sure, like I say, if I picked up some fake news story that was lodged in my brain from ten years ago. So I, I typed in spider goats and found the story. So if you, if you type in spider goat to Utah, you'll you'll any of our listeners will come across <laughs> it. Um, and even on the BBC website, they have a small clip. The, the full de- documentary isn't on iPlayer or anything. Um, but you can you can find it on YouTube. There's uh, parts of the documentary on there as well. Can I tell you what my prediction for this story is? What? And I'll cut it out in the edit if I'm <laughs> wrong or right. Uh, have they genetically engineered a goat so they can get spider silk out of its teats? Actually, yeah, yeah. Uh, is you, that you, it? You're really? pretty much spot on. Yeah. Right, go on. Sorry for it. Yeah, no, go no, on. that's right. <laughs> you got it in one. Teats. <laughs> um, so... Um, Adam Rutherford, the scientist, writer, broadcaster, he goes on to explain, Freckles is the result of genetic engineering, Uh, but our mastery of manipulating DNA has evolved into an even more extreme form of tinkering, broadly called synthetic biology. Right. Freckles is the creation of Randy Lewis, a professor of genetics at Utah State University. The farm is a university outpost... Randy, okay, yeah, proper typical Randy name. the goat's yeah. teats. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> the farm is a university outpost where they research modern farming techniques, uh-huh. teach animal husbandry, hmm. and raise what are inevitably referred to as spider goats. Right, okay. Randy, like many other scientists there in Logan, Utah has farming in its blood. So although a creature that is part goat, part spider, might seem like an... Uh, something born of science fiction as far as randy is concerned it's simply advanced farming breeding animals to produce things we want right fair enough isn't it? so randy's been interviewed and randy says we are interested in dragline silk the silk that spiders catch themselves with when they fall i didn't know there was different types of silk so neither did yeah. i it's stronger than kevlar it really has some amazing properties for any kind of fiber he and his team 
look at the gene and encodes dragline silk from an orb weaver spider mm -hmm. and placed among the DNA that prompts milk production in the udders. So you were right, Nick. Right, okay. This genetic circuit was then inserted in an egg and implanted into a mother goat. Now when freckles lactates, her milk is full of spider silk protein. Right. Weird. So Randy and Adam milk freckles. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm doing the actions here. Um, it, so the, the, the milk in this episode, and then they process it in a lab to right. leave only the silk proteins. Right. So the, you see them just um, kind of get this glass rod, and they're delicately lifted out of the this single fibre, out of um, what is becomes obviously spider silk. Right. Um, and then they spin it onto a reel, and they say it has amazing and desirable properties, which is why Randy seemingly, uh, <laughs> Randy's seemingly bizarre research is so robustly funded. Okay. Um, in the medical field, uh, we already know that we can produce spider silk. That is good enough to be used in uh, ligament repair. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so in the documentary, Randy goes further to say, uh, we already know we can make it strong enough as an elastic, um, we've huh. done some studies that show that you can put it in the body and you don't get inflammation or any kind of uh, infection. You don't end up ill, um, so your body doesn't reject oh, it. Right. Um, in the documentary um, back then, they stated within a couple of years that they're going to be testing it to see exactly uh, to in, in, for the best designs and uh, what in industries that can use it in. Mm -hmm. um, well, that's mad. When was it? Um, so this was around about 2011 or 2012, I think it was. Right, so presumably there's been like a lot more advances since then, has it? Yeah, uh, well, I, I look further into this and, and um, uh, so, so I, I, it was a, um, a website called agfundernews.com uh -huh. and the report written by a journalist researcher, Richard Martin Hemphill states that all went a bit quiet long after the documentary. Right. Um, well, sorry, not long after the documentary. Oh, okay. Partly because the Montreal-based company leading the way, Nexia Biotechnologies, a, a company spun out of McGill University swiftly spun. went... Yeah, <laughs> I see the pun there. Um, it swiftly went bust and it sold its two remaining uh, GM goats, sugar and spice. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, they sold it to a Canadian agriculture museum in Ottawa, which in 2013 removed its genetically engineered goats from display amid public pressure. So, because you can imagine a lot of people will not be happy about uh, playing God. Well, I was um, going to say, the people would be upset about that. Yeah, yeah. Utterly disgusted, wouldn't they? Utterly disgusted, yeah. <laughs> so, um, quiet mo momentum continues, however, under okay. Dr. Randy Lewis of oh, Utah he's still, State. Yeah, he's still, he's still, going, he's still he? tinkering. He's still Sting, tinkering with the teats. Yeah, he is, yeah. <laughs> and um, though he is unaware of the whereabouts of sugar and spice, I don't know how long he was looking for. <laughs> um his lab actually looks after 20 goats capable of producing this uh, silky milk. Uh, <laughs> silky milky. <laughs> uh, so you never know. Maybe we'll see a section on our website stocking spider goat fibres one day. So, uh, you know, keep checking the website for that. <laughs> Could be the next prime drink, that, couldn't it? Yeah, silky yeah, milk. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Kids would love that, I reckon. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, check out our web. 
So, okay, so that's the Curious Composites section. Can I remind you all, uh, everyone of the email again, if you want to get in touch, if you want to ask a question, suggest something for us to talk about. We're all ears to suggestions, aren't yep. we? And that's uh, compositescast at gmail.com. Okay, well, we're nearly at the end of the show. Do you call it a show when it's a podcast? I'm not sure what they call it. Psh, podcast. We're nearly at the end of this one, anyway. <laughs> and uh, we're going to have a quick little chat about what's new at East Coast Fiberglass, EC Composites, ECF Cop, whatever we're called nowadays. Yeah. A lot of people know us as East Coast Fiberglass. That's right. But yeah. the actual company is ECF Composites, which stands for East Coast East Fiberglass Coast. Yep. Composites. Okay. So, uh, okay, what's new? Yeah, so coming through in around about March, um, a lot, a lot of surfboard money f- um, makers will be happy to hear this. Um, we've got Aerialite uh, coming back uh, uh-huh. to the UK, uh, so we're we're going to be a distributor of that. If anyone isn't familiar with this product, uh, since its inception, Aerialite fabrics have quite literally raised the bar for high performance surf glass. It's the only fabric that's uh, been developed by um, surfboard builders. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aerialite took about over two years of research and development uh, to perfect the product, right. um, and the end result is uh, a fabric of high quality. Uh, the look and finish that surface and bo- board builders uh, would expect to see. Um, okay, and what's the um, what's the difference between normal, like a four ounce, six ounce glass cloth and an Aerialite one? So Aerolite cloth is, um, it's, like I've said, it's, it's loved by most board makers. Uh-huh. Um, it disappeared off the UK market for a little while, and board makers had to look for all other alternatives, uh-huh. so standard kind of six ounce or four ounce. Um, and they were uh, disappointed, disappointed in what they found with these alternatives. They were, they were a bit stiffer, they weren't as clear. Uh-huh. Um, they preferred the Aerolite as it draped over rails easier. Oh, right. um, and the clarity uh, when wet was superb, um, and it's less expensive as well oh, compared to the other um, cloths that I use for other industrial purposes. Uh-huh. Um, so a lot of the UK surfboard makers will be happy to see this return, I right. reckon. And we've got um, a surf guy works here, haven't we? We have, yes, Tim. Um, I've actually just been working with him. He's uh, We're doing a video for YouTube at the moment uh-huh. uh, on uh, fixing a, a partial partially broken surfboard so it was nearly right. snapped in two it was only oh, held okay. on by one wow. side skin so we've just about finished that so um you'll be getting that next week uh, right. after <laughs> to edit and yeah 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 <laughs> upload that so uh, as, as tim got experience of these different cloths the area he has tim's, tim's worked the... in the in the industry he's yeah. uh, he worked for well we basically hijacked him from smh um who make decontamination units they're another mm-hmm. uh, local mm-hmm. fiberglass company um, just around the corner from us um, but he's got a wealth of knowledge um, he's been in the industry for years uh, he knows uh-huh. about carbon fibre um, delicate cloths used for surfboards and uh, anything from um, tool making to um, making moulds and production um, so yeah we'll, we'll probably we should probably have him on as a special guest one day to yeah, be honest yeah yeah gosh that'd be, yeah, yeah we'll definitely do that yeah. and we could also um, we could have people call in as well I believe with this equipment yeah. we can connect phones up and stuff so if anybody has got yeah. a story to tell or wants a bit yeah, of free definitely, advertising definitely. 
Yeah, that's I forgot to mention actually Tim's Tim is a surfer as well. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I knew he was a surfer. You can tell from his van outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anything else new, Mum? So yeah, one other product. Um, we've just recently acquired some adhesive backed aluminium foil rolls. The six hundred mil wide, uh, normally used for backing um, uh, for insulation. So when you see um, foam sheets with this mm-hmm. foil backing on them, oh yeah, it's the same kind of product. Um, but it's really useful in the composite industry. Uh, anybody who's um, put polyester resins and fiberglass onto polystyrene, for example, will know that polystyrene will just melt. Of course, yeah. Um, it, the polyester will melt polystyrene mm-hmm. uh, in an instant. Um, so there, there is a, there is an actual company on YouTube. I can't remember what it's called, but um, I think if you type in coating polystyrene, there's a there's a company who make great big sculptures, anything from kind of dinosaurs to horses and all mm-hmm. that kind of thing mm-hmm. goats maybe goats yeah <laughs> <laughs> so when they've done a sculpture they'll they'll line it with its aluminium foil uh-huh. and it creates a protection right uh, so you think you can then use the cheaper polyester uh, materials otherwise yeah. you would have to use epoxies so ep- epoxies yeah it's a lot more expensive it's about four or five times the cost of polyester mm-hmm. depending on what polyester you're using um, but it's certainly more expensive than general purpose um and and it's a quicker way of protecting the polystyrene. There is other methods. Some people use PVA glue. Uh, some people right. coat it with an emulsion paint. Uh-huh. Um, but it takes a lot of coats. And I've done it in the past with emulsion paint. If you miss one tiny area, it'll just get in. It'll end up with a crater about the size of your fist oh, in, right. in, in the actual sculpt. So yeah, by putting this foil backing on there, it protects the whole thing, uh-huh. and then you can. Uh, coat it with a fiberglass. So that's quite a quite a handy product. It's meant for a different industry, but it lends as well. Oh right, it, that's it, it cool. lends itself really well in the composite industry. Uh, we've got a new um, gel coat spraying gun as well, haven't we? Yes, the CG one one zero. It's a much more improved version yeah. of the um, other spray gun we had. We used to have the G one hundred, which yeah, was, which yeah, was yeah. quite popular from but, America. That one, wasn't yeah, it? yeah. Yeah, this uh, CG110, it's much sleeker. Um, and it can spray a range of materials such as gel coats, resins, sandable primers, paints, huh. uh, as well as adhesives uh, through spraying. Great. Well, uh, anything else? Is that all the new stuff? Yeah, that's all the new stuff. And I think I think we've uh, covered quite a lot of uh, minutes in this uh, podcast. It's, uh, I think we've just about run out of time. You're quite right. So going forward on the Composites Cast podcast, we're hopefully going to bring along a few uh, special guests from the industry to talk about stuff. And today we're lucky enough to have uh, the big guy himself, uh, Mr. Gary Bates, who started this company and he's here to have a chat. Hello, Gary. Hi, I'm only five foot seven, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) So why don't you tell us about the beginnings of East Coast Fiberglass, how it started? Oh, dear me. Um, I mean, I've been here since 1988, 89, <coughs> um, manufacturing, working on the floor. You know, the company was called High Spec Plastics then. Right. Um, it was owned by a guy called Fred Spence and Albert Watson. Um, Albert, unfortunately, died at a very young age, 55, I think he was. Mm. 
uh, it was actually my dad's best pal at, you know, in the in the shipyards. Oh, right. Uh, so that's how I got the job here in the first place, uh, through my dad. Um, and then Fred retired, so I took over the manufacturing in 98, and then progressed on the East Coast fiberglass when the manufacturing got a bit difficult around about in 2003. We just started selling on eBay. Um, so you started in the manufacturing, and then how did you decide to sell a few bits on eBay? Just Well, at the time I had my first son, Kieran, uh-huh. well, my only son, um, and we were a bit short of cash one day, so I decided to sell all my punk records on eBay. Ah, right. Uh, so I got like £300 for this one I thought was worth nothing. And then it was one Saturday morning while working on the floor, then I decided, well, I told the lads you can sell anything on eBay. Um, and then I literally tipped the waste bin upside down <laughs> and segregated the cups, the coffee cups and everything like that. And we sell the scrap mat for about, was about £25. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, I thought, dear me. And then I started looking around the shop at bits of cloth that we didn't use, bits of... We used to make some uh, phenolic battery packs for uh, SAF down on River Drive and sell shields. Uh, and we had about five rolls of cloth, like, left over. Literally skippable stuff, to be honest. And that sold for about, like, three grand. Like wow. A, you know, yeah. eight pound a metre or something. I bet you thought you were going to be rich. I did. <laughs> that was short-lived. Uh, <laughs> and then it was just an eBay thing, an eBay shop. We were kind of the first people on eBay. There was a guy called Nick from Tomps. Tony Maguire's Plot and Supplies. We were the first ones on eBay, then a couple of others drifted in. Uh-huh. Obviously now it's flooded with uh, sellers on eBay. Um, then after that, I shortly decided, I uh, met up with Tiny Internet, Sarah uh, Russell, Sarah Foyster now. Um, that's my American Nick here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then we made a website, and then kind of went from there, a few different platforms. From then we created the company East Coast Fiberglass Supplies in 2006, and that's right. where we are today. So you started out, you got the, we're sitting in the, well, we're kind of next door to where the original factory yeah, was. Yeah, this used to be Headley's. This used to be a, a manufacturing yeah. place, didn't it? And then, so you started out the back of high-spec plastics, didn't you? you it was a tiny it. little room next to the compressor room. You had, to put, right. you had to put earphones on to pack the boxes. And that was you and Martin here. That was, yeah, that yeah. was me and Martin, because we used to do work for Ray Bus as well, Ray Composites in Northern Ireland, and Martin had his little office, ah, right. and I had mine, and we used to pack about five boxes a day. Right, for eBay Next stuff. to the compressor, yeah. And then East Coast Fiberlocks got its own well, premises. Actually, actually before the, the premises, we had right. uh, two little porter cabins, didn't we? Well, one, one on top of the... 40 foot office yeah. porter cabins <laughs> on top of each other. All right. And I remember when they got delivered, it was one Friday night, back in DME. Like 2008 uh-huh. and they delivered them it was absolutely teeming down with rain oh. and they put one porter cabin down I was by myself with a driver uh, then they put the other one on top and the ground started sinking <laughs> so in my wisdom I went outside in the front street and I, with a big screen around pulled a paving stone up and I put oh, it up you? I had to put it under one of the legs so they wouldn't sink the ground and then the they settled the cabins down and it all was level. So I woke up in the, the middle of the night on the Saturday morning and thought, I've took a paving stone about Hope nobody trips oh. over that. <laughs> so I had to go to the builders or the next day, buy a paving stone uh, and put it in the place where I, I took one from the street. So, so East Coast <laughs> Fiberglass could have sat without a trace? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So right, so you were so okay, so you were in the factory, then you were outside the factory. Yeah, and then then you got a little unit. Well, hired down the a road. unit, yeah, which became it quickly became two units, didn't it? So yes, oh, yeah, you got the one the next door. That's when I started. Yeah, and then uh, in the hottest office in the world. <laughs> yeah, I, well, next door we used to go in my office on a Wednesday afternoon. Ah, right, in the that's middle of the it. summer, he'd come down white as a sheet, I sweating. I know he feared it. It was so hot, no windows. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, remember, I remember that coffee machine we used to have. Oh yeah, for all the customers. Mm-hmm. They used to keep getting jammed all the time. <laughs> so I mean, we tried to serve people. You have a queue of people. Someone saying, "How do you work this coffee machine? It's jammed." <laughs> I mean, in the early days, there was only me, Martin, Alex, and Dean. You know, um, oh, Dean, I remember Dean. Yeah. And on a Friday, I was off. Martin used to go. Sorry, Alex used to go home at one. Uh, and there was Martin and Dean left. I think, did Dean go home at one as well? I'm sure, but anyway, Martin used to pack boxes, answer the phones, serve at the tray counter, deal with the delivery drivers, everything. <laughs> the tech. <laughs> the tech, the phone tech used to be there till like eight at night. And I remember one Friday, some guy phoned up, because Martin told me about this. Uh, he says, can I have tech? He says, oh, I'm only the janitor. Oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you were nicknamed as Hong Kong Fui Hong for Kong weeks Kong, after yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> and then Martin was trying to serve at the door, put the orders up and do everything else. And he, he decided uh, to close the tray counter until he packed all the boxes so right. he could get them all away. Uh, but he left the roller shutters about a foot off the ground. Uh, and those people crawling under the roller shutters <laughs> trying to get in. <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark. I was ready for a nervous breakdown that day. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but we used to be there for quite late. Um, it's seven o'clock every night. Yeah, loading. Yeah, the dark nights loading up uh, lorries. We've been there from something like six o'clock in the morning. Sometimes earlier. Um, there till about yeah, like you say, like seven something. Eight I mean, o'clock. if you woke up at five o'clock, you had slept in. And then days you yeah. had to get to work when there's only three of us to do tech, do all the ordering, uh-huh. do everything, deal with everything, mm-hmm. and. At that time, we were still manufacturing, so it was like twice as difficult for me. Um, so it was tough days, but it, yeah, you know, we, had, we had young kids as well because I just yeah. had my daughter then as well, and yeah, your kids were only little, and mm-hmm. yours were mm-hmm. quite young as well, Nick. And you tell these kids to do that, and they won't believe you. Gary, we're kind of running out of time a little bit, but uh, right. you'll pop in again, won't you? And tell absolutely, us some more yeah. stories. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. I'll catch us up next yeah, time. Yeah. I mean, anyway. just before you go, I was, we were just talking earlier, talking about um, when we survived through COVID and everything and stuff. Oh, yeah. And I remember we were travelling up to see a gig um, in Wales just as the whole oh, outbreak was coming out. Um, and that was, we uh, went to see The Alarm. The Alarm. Yeah, Mike good, Peters good and The Alarm. Yeah, yeah. It's a charity called Love Hope Strength, which deals with blood cancer. Right. And mm-hmm. um, we, you know, we've donated quite a few thousand pounds to, to the cause uh, which I'll talk to you next time we'll come on about the charity hike we did this, this year to, to Mont Blanc with the alarm and Love Hope Strength uh, I'll give you some stories about that yeah, yeah. that would be great yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm particularly looking forward to the story about how you conned your way into the best bedroom and shower yes because I'm the best snorer <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, brilliant talking to you, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Okay, thank you. Cheers, Gary. Cheers, Gary. See you later. So thanks to anybody who's found us and listened. Yeah. Hope you like it, and please do get in touch with any suggestions on how we can improve.
Yeah, and what was that email again, Nick? Compositescast at gmail.com. Brilliant. We look forward to it, and we'll uh, you'll hear from us in the next episode. Cheers, guys. See you later. Bye.